sponsored by Squarespace. I wish. Hello and welcome to Crying in the Booket Club, the hit show where three emotional friends talk about comic books that make them emotional. And um, apparently music before, a lot of music before. I think we'll talk about more music next episode too with some Carly Rae, so stay tuned for that. Um, but for now, the voices that you heard earlier are the lovely, the wonderful, Emily. Hello. Hi, Emily. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Would you say that you're more of a Jan or a Zana? Zan or Jana? Wow. Zan oh, or Jana? Yeah. I, I don't want to give away like all of my opinions on this comic, okay. but I am a Zan. Okay, that's uh, that's fair. That's fair. I also- the, the number of panels posted to my comics Twitter captioned, he's just like me for real, is staggering. He truly is a wonderful. I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling that John Luke was going to be passively, uh, passively observing my journey today. And John Luke is here. Hi, John. I am. And I just have to say for the audience, the thing that Alex is referring to you is you hearing before the show, you will hear after the show, because that's where I put the put the stuff that we talk about at the beginning of the show. I didn't even know you kept that's it all fucked in. up. I don't keep it all in. There, oh, thank there, God. There's things that there's things that get cut. Um, I I thought that it was probably better to you know not subject the audience to my like 15 minutes talking about the current run of Amazing Spider-Man. So uh, I cut I cut that down significantly. Wow. Uh, and stuck it at the end of the episode. So. Some would say it doesn't exist. I don't know. I'm no Spider-Man. I did keep the raw audio, so you know if people want to hear it, I can. Just gotta, tweet at John Luke. Gotta make the Patreon. <laughs> I yeah, I mean you don't have to pay me for that. Like I I, I do I that's that's wow. free. Wow, wow, wow. Well, you know what's not free? Unless you read it illegally. Huh? Who has anyone on this podcast ever read anything illegally? No. Ever. We but- would never do that. I like to try that's once. What, that's what your uh, patron money goes towards. <laughs> so that we don't have to break the law. Oh, so. yeah. Your Patreon money goes to me spending uh, an untoward amount of money on comics after I discover the comic book store 10 minutes from my apartment. <laughs> it's wonderful. That is wonderful. But as we alluded to, or maybe didn't allude to, because I think we just said Wonder Twins, we are talking about Wonder Twins. We 20, sure are. The 2019 miniseries, turn maxi series, turn 2020 series, um, written by Mark Wait, Russell. Hold on, what is a maxi what, series? What constitutes a maxi series? It's 12 issues. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah Wait, mini so, is. Yeah, what's a mini? Uh, six. Uh, well, I guess four to six. Four to five to six. Well, anything so, else yeah, than seven? So, I, I, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I, okay, so. A mini series is typically as between, well. A mini series is between one and six. A maxi series is seven to twelve. Okay. Typically, this is not. Sometimes you will see like a seven issue referred to as a mini series. That's it, not hard and fast, but I will say if it is one issue, it's just a one shot. It's not yeah, a I, I mean, I, 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 was, I was I was familiar with that. I had no issues there. I guess I I did not realize that 12 constituted a maxi series because I did just assume like 12 seems mini to me. 
me, but we did just read a lot of Berserk, like a lot. We did of just Berserk. read a lot of Berserk. So thinking like, oh, we read twelve issues of, of the Wonder Twins maxi series. It's like this that was took me easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. That took me like a tenth of the time that Berserk took. Um, which was, I mean, Berserk was great, but I will say this made me significantly less horny than Berserk. So you know, speak for yourself. <laughs> Okay, I, I will. I'm out here getting off to count Druncula in the, in the you know, drinking uh, people's blood in the in prison. Poor, poor Druncula. We'll get to him. We'll get to I him. I know. One of, he's one of the, truly one of the guys of all time. He is a guy of all time. Uh, but another two guys of all time are Mark Russell and Stephen Byrne, the people who created this here comic. Um, and it was part of the Wonder Comics imprint, which sadly no longer exists as many DC imprints, most DC imprints, all DC imprints except the current one generally does. That's how Guys, it kind of goes. I got to tell you, I did not realize that Wonder Comics was an imprint. And I thought it was just like a bit that they were doing because it's Wonder Twins. It would be better that way. No, it, 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 it inexplicitly was like Wonder Twins and then like four Brian Michael Bendis books. For the imprint premiered at the series Young Justice, followed by Naomi, uh, which friend of the friend of the show chad read all of so he doesn't remember it though we're like oh chad yeah you read naomi he's like what the fuck's naomi about it was like okay i remember you reading it uh dial h for hero and finally wonder twins so this i think wonder twins was actually the final wonder comics book unless the, unless they ben all came out around after. the same time right? i just i saw it, it was wonder, the last one though i yeah. saw wonder comics on some of the covers and i did just think it was like a bit yeah yeah, I, I think that um, Amethyst book was also in the Wonder Comics imprint. Mm. Could, be. I, Could be. We read that. This is one of. We also read that for the old show. This is. I this don't is remember that. One. See, and you're out here critiquing Chad for not remembering. You read like ten issues. I probably read half an he issue. Read, of Amethyst. I think he read more than ten issues. I don't remember how many issues it was, but he read <laughs> however many issues there were. Hmm. I, yeah, I, I feel like the uh, this imprint kind of did the old like. Um, Marvel Now thing where they only got like 12 issues and it was like a full like season thing but there was no not another season because I don't know um, wasn't the, this was originally supposed to be six right and it so got it was six issues and then it sold so well which is such a strange thing to say about a Wonder Woman's what Wonder Twins comic uh, and, and it must have been based on expectations like maybe they put it out and they're like this is going to sell 5,000 and it sold like 30,000 and they were like holy shit like let, let's give let's give Mark another six issues well, you don't really expect a Wonder Twins comic to do anything i guess no because they're not originally from the comics they're from the cartoon series the super friends they in the sure 1970s are. yeah they were the worst part of that show they would uh, but oh, it also God. also the best way uh, they you know the the superheroes would do their thing and they would have basically like psas where they'd be like kids would be like racing a boat um against each other and the wonder twins would like find that and the, the kids are about to die and the wonder twins you know step in with their powers and they're like maybe you shouldn't do that or like kids were about to try drugs or something um and they were kind of like the psa like whoa if the wonder twins say it's bad then maybe i shouldn't do cocaine every day of my life i don't know i don't think that has any drawbacks neither did the wonder twins uh so yeah originally slated for a six issue it is a 12 issue uh, maxi series series whatever you want to call it and it focuses on zen and jaina two people twins from the planet exor um and they did something well actually no this is the wrong one. Oh no oh no <laughs> uh okay now here we go here we go yes 
So anyway, they were exiled from their planet because their ancestor committed some like not light war crimes, but like might have like murdered a lot of people based on like a race thing, um, which is mentioned later, which is kind of like, wow, interesting. And Superman is a friend of their father. He offers to bring the twins to live on Earth. Um, uprooted from their home planet, the twins must learn about their new home and navigate high school as well as their internship at the Hall of Justice. Um, so volume one, um, basically, you know, they have these cool slash lame shape-shifting powers that get activated when they bump fists. Uh, Jaina has the much cooler one because she can turn into any animal she can think of, whereas Zan can turn into water. Um, and yeah, he can turn into like an ice gondola or like an ice thing. And um, that, that that's generally all he's able to do. Um, and the volume sort of... He can turn into any permutation of water so he can be... Anything. Mist. He could be fog. He could be anything water can be. <laughs> he sure can be. And uh, you know, we see them we see them do some fun stuff. We see them make friends, we see them go on dates. Um they battle the the the, the, the sort of second tier Legion of Doom called the League of Annoyance, which are people with, you know, not the best powers. I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> uh some of the highlights of that is the, is this guy named Drunkula. Uh they they catch him. And he's 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 clean. I mean, he he's basically Dracula, but he hasn't drunk blood in a while. He and he's like, I, I don't want to. Thirty days sober, and the Wonder Twins catch him and they put him in a cell, but it's not a cell on his own. It, no, it's with other people. So in the morning they but, come. But that's not their fault. They didn't. They they tried to do what was best, and the when he got to the jail, the, the people at the jail put him in the drunk tank where he was around people who were intoxicated that he could drink blood from and break his sobriety, and it was sad. They didn't yeah. mean for this to happen. He's also one of the characters that doesn't get a happy ending. Like, this happens, and that's the last we see of Druncula. He just kind of like, oh... He relapsed and he killed people and he'd probably be in jail for a long, long time. Um, but then Jaina goes on a date with like a supervillain. Like, like, like he's kind of like a Teen Titan supervillain guy. And he's just like this dude, bro, who's like super, Red super. Flag. Yeah, he's, yeah, his name is Red Flag. I literally, when they, when, they, when they said his name was Red Flag, I just like, I had to stop. I'm like, you cannot be serious. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And then uh, Jan goes out on a date. Mark um, Russell actually based that character on me. Wow. Red flag. Now I've talked to Jean-Luc many times. He's not this person. Um, but also Zan goes out on a date with someone who's just trying to make her boyfriend jealous. And like he learns that at the end and he's like, Well, I had a lovely night. I met two new friends and I had popcorn. And it's like, oh my gosh, Zan. So cute. Such, such, such a wholesome, that's a wholesome guy. Uh Jaina becomes best friends with a genius named Philomath. And unfortunately, her father is forced to work for Lex Luthor secretly, which... No, uh, um, no she... Is her name not Philo? No, she... That's... Um, Philo's that's the dad. Her, Philo's the dad. Her name is Polly Math. Polly and Philo Math. Uh, fantastic. Uh, but Polly's dad ends up getting kind of vaporized by a member of the League of Annoyance. And it's like... This character is just like a standard, like, uh, Karen lady. But she has like a phone that, like, vaporizes people. Um, so he gets vaporized. Uh, and this leads to Philo to work with another member of the League of Annoyance, the Scrambler, who wears a scrambled egg on his shirt and dressed in like orange and yellow. Um, I also his powers... really love the Scrambler. The Scrambler is great, and he can he, he he can scramble people's minds. And normally he can like swap swap minds, which is which is a really cool power for the League of Annoyance, and kind of like you know probably the highest of of any of that. Which which you know kind of kind of leads into the thing where um Fi where um Polly and the Scrambler end up working together. 
and they have a plan. And, you know, w- with her technological know-how and his scrambling, um, they swap minds with, with everyone in the world uh, in 30 days so by sending an email. So basically, like, they tell the world that, hey, in 30 days, the president's mind is going to go into a random body in the world. And it's probably not going to be better than the body he lives now. Uh, which which is a great great moment because it leads to the world's governments basically being like okay we need to end all war all poverty give everybody like you know basic human rights because who who knows what body I'm going to next, um, but then the fucking Wonder Twins mess it up with help from the Justice League, kind of sort they of try really hard. They're trying to do the good thing, uh, but it ends up that the Scrambler and Philo and uh, Polly get arrested and they get stopped and. Um, yeah, the, the arc, the first six issues ends with the Scrambler on a little cliffhanger asking for an email instead of a phone call so that he can send the email and scramble everyone's brains, which is a, a lovely ending to a wonderful series. Except then there's also volume two. Um, yeah, so the second half, Polly is in jail. and we get Which Alex story. hates. That's why he said, but then there's volume two. I can't say anything much till I finish this summary because... Yeah, but you know, in the second half, Polly's in jail, and we get introduced to Repulso, who's a very smelly man, and whose power is that he's very smelly and lonely. Um, and he's basically there. The that Mark Russell based on me. <laughs> you guys are wow, 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 wow. Um, but his job is basically we were like in the trenches. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were in the Twitter trenches together. Me, and hey, Mark you were, Russell. you were before they rebranded, and you guys left. That was. It's a good time. Um, but basically his, his powers are used to like stop in the, in the book, like a hockey riot where people are like, our team won, yay. And they're like, you know, vandalizing. So they lower him down on a crane. People are like, you smell, we were going to leave. And that kind of works. Um, but you know what? One of the Wonder Twins befriends this guy because they end up being an, a, a, an animal that can't smell so well. And they end up playing Stratego, which is a which is a game like Stratego, but they're not getting sued for it. It's Stratego, I believe. Stratego, that's even that's even better. And I'm glad that this that this book really uh, landed with you, Emily. That you know all the you know, all the ins and outs and the funny little background stuff, which we'll get to. I did um, really enjoy reading this. I don't want to just spoil my opinion for the whole show, but like, God, I had a great time with this fucking book. We'll have to bleep that out. Uh, Polly escapes jail and confronts the Wonder Twins, uh, where Jane and then Jaina reveals that she thinks that actually Polly's dad is still alive. Uh, Polly doesn't trust her, but they end up working together, and they do end up saving Philo from the Phantom Zone. Um, at the same time, an evil computer created by Philo uh, in the 80s called Kernel 86 comes alive and takes over the world's computing power. And in the end, the Wonder Twins and, Phil- and the Philos put a stop to Kernel 86 and save the day. Uh, this leads to the Justice League being like, you shouldn't work with criminals, you know. And Zan and Jaina being like, we're trying to do good in the world. And the Justice, League, the Justice League is like, oh, shoot, you're right. Um, so they end up putting them. Jaina's just sitting there going, scoreboard, scoreboard. <laughs> She's just pointing. She's just pointing. And the Justice League, you know, they, they take a few pages, but they come back and they actually put Zan, Jaina, Philo, and Polly in charge of Asterix, which is basically a um, threat assessment project. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe the Justice League doesn't have everything figured out. Maybe we should be a little more, you know, kind and do good in the world, um, which is nice. And also the Scrambler ends up getting freed and a couple of bad, bad schmucks uh, end up getting uh, put in the Phantom Zone. So very cool. And that is Wonder Twins. Volumes one and two. So um, I I know that Emily played that clip before the episode started, but uh, what was your familiarity with Wonder Twins other than that clip, Emily? I am so glad that you asked because, um, I mean, as a twin myself, uh, the Wonder Twins have always been sort of like a weird uh, 
like presence in in pop culture because like they were in uh like old older cartoons like in some of the uh like Hanna Barbera cartoons or whatever I'm not I don't I don't know entirely what the timeline is but like I like I remember seeing the Wonder Twins in like old cartoons and shit and like being a twin that was always just like a weird thing for me that there's like a, a superhero duo that's twins and so like they've always kind of been like a like a looming presence in in my life uh and I I enjoy the comedic uh the the comedic aspect of them of like the you know she can turn into any animal he can only turn into water or water water based things uh so i was he's barbie he's just ken it like literally classic they they really i haven't seen the movie i've seen the advertising i mean but they do have a she's barbie and he's just ken sort of like dynamic as far as their powers go but like I don't know. I uh, was excited about the prospect of reading this comic just based on the fact that I was like aware of them as like pop culture entities. And I just this comic, I I really enjoyed I thought was really funny and good. And uh, I'm really glad that I because you guys had talked about it before. And so like I I had like an awareness that there was like a, a decent Wonder Twins comic that had come out, but I'm glad that I had an excuse to read it for the show. Heck yeah. Yeah. To, to be clear, if you want to hear what Alex and I think, you can go back to the comics podcast archives and yep. listen to that. So we're probably not going to say much for the rest of the show because Emily's no, the only one with new It's all questions here. for Emily. Yeah. It pre- predates Emily's uh, being a weekly uh contributor to to the comics podcast it's true it's true um but i guess jean-luc i don't know what your if you have any history with the wonder twins do you have a tattoo you got a tattoo yeah wonder right twins tattoo oh my god wow you know wow. My, my sister. why are they kissing is my, my question <laughs> my sister has really been wanting to get uh like like a sister tattoos so maybe i should suggest you should get gleek you can get Zan and she can get Jaina and they can be doing like the fist bump. And when you put your arms together, it's like they're fist bumping. And yeah, there's I a little. Should, I should really you, suggest that. That's fantastic. <laughs> she won't um, do it, but I should really. I mean, it wouldn't be the first DC Comics character my sister has tattooed on her body, but. Wait, uh, what? I didn't okay, to tell us now, but wait, maybe wait, wait, for the show, you can tell guess. us what the. No, I can, tell you that, I can tell you guys that my sister has a Wonder Woman tattoo. Oh, oh okay. yeah. I was thinking like maybe Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn or the Joker oh, are my no. are, the, those are the tattoos I see the most. Harley Quinn would have been so funny, but no, my sister's way too normie for that. So she definitely okay. has a Wonder Woman tattoo. Nice. Wonder Woman rocks. Speaking of Wonder Woman, next episode. Um, what? I, oh, are we talking <laughs> about my familiarity with the Wonder Twins? Yeah, Sorry, we are, I don't. We are so. I don't like, actually have a Wonder Twins tattoo. For those who are wondering. Wait. But do you Coward. have a familiarity with the characters outside and the of brand? This I own the minifigure, the Lego minifigures of Zan and Jaina. Those are hard to find. Nice, but uh, that's I, I bought them after reading this comic. Uh, to be clear, oh, okay. I, I I knew about them. I knew about the Wonder Twins before. Uh, my dad used to talk about how much he liked the Wonder Twins as a kid because I think really he funny. watched. 
I think oh, he watched the Super Friends. Well, probably Super Friends, right? Yeah. When he was at what time? Yeah, you know, I'm probably up, thinking so. of Super Friends. <laughs> they had, I mean, that's where they're from. I they, had Super, they had different Super Friends shows for like a decade. Sure. So, mm. A lot of different. Iterations. So I knew about them from that, but I I didn't like. I've never seen an episode of Super Friends in my life. Like I've seen clips from it, but I've never actually watched it. So this was like really my first. Like when this came out, this is the first time I ever like read a comic with the Wonder Twins in it, or, or consumed like really any media with with the Wonder mm-hmm. Twins in it. Um, I mean, maybe they appeared somewhere prior to it, but if they did, I, I don't remember. I think they showed up in the Superman run at this time, but I think I was so far off that Superman book at that point that I yeah I just didn't. I, I think wasn't reading at that point in um lead up to Identity Crisis, which is a a DC Comics event. Oh, uh, that's... It's, it's not the Wonder Twins that get brutally murdered. It's Marvin the Wonder Dog and the two people. It's basically the precursor to the Wonder Twins. Yeah, yeah. And they were similar. like, you know, what, Zan and Jane have powers. These were just regular teenagers um, who hung out and kind of did the same thing that the Wonder Twins did, except they couldn't do anything. But they had a dog. Uh, but then and DC like many other characters like, in Identity Crisis. Exactly, exactly. Three bad things happened. To then them. yeah, <laughs> to spoil like they they brought him to comics just to have him brutally murdered. Like I don't know. It was it is an edgy time at DC Comics, which when is it not? I guess, but especially then, especially then. Um, how did the your expectations? I guess Emily of. I, everything you heard about the book and everything compared to like how it actually was was this the book kind of book you were expecting or i i mean i didn't really have any expectations for the book itself which i am almost a little surprised by like just at myself i guess like i just i remember hearing you guys say like this wonder twins book that came out was good and i was like hell yeah wonder twins but i had like literally no expectation for like what the content of this book was gonna be like what it being good even meant like what kind of good it could be so uh i just sort of like dove right in and it was just like from the get-go it was just extremely like funny and charming and like the art is not like my favorite but like it is good and it is extremely competent so like yeah i just like just starting out like i i started off having a really good experience with this book and and throughout i enjoyed all 12 issues heck yeah it, it does not shock me that you liked this book like it it feels very much like this is something that emily would like which is part of why i'm glad that we ended up doing it for the show because i'm glad i had an excuse to read it because otherwise yeah. i probably would not have gotten around to it so yeah jean like did you like it? Oh, I love this book. Yeah. I mean, I, as I said, like you can go back and hear me raving about this book for every time one of the first six issues came out. And then even into the second half of the book too, uh, you can probably find the blog post that I wrote about the first issue. I, I was, I remember when this first issue came out in, was it 2019 or 18? I think it, 19 this book, yeah this book is dated 2019 so. 2019 yeah i just remember reading it and being like completely bowled over by the first issue of this book like i was like really excited about it because it was kind of at a time when i was not feeling super positive about dc stuff like i was 
there just weren't very many DC books coming out that I liked. And this, like, it felt like a Saturday morning cartoon that was actually written for adults. And not in the sense that, like, people normally say that, like, you know, how people will say, oh, Pixar movies, they're like animated movies, but they have things in them for adults. This almost kind of like flips that where it's like, it's a it's a comic that's written for um older, more mature audience, but it has the vibes of like a a, car, a a cartoon network show or something. And I mean that very positively. Like it's very like classic silver age superhero stuff. I mean I- issue one, they're fighting against Mixelplick and they like they end up taking oh, him down in that issue and it's because of help from the computer. And even Mixelplick's like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Like, what? I, when they like figure out a way to take him down, he's like, that that doesn't make any sense. As he's like fading away, and it's and, like, and you you know that Mister Mixelplick's is like one of my all time favorite Superman villains. I actually so. didn't know this. Oh, okay. I I love Mister Mixelplick's. Uh, okay, cool. Like, like I just when, when we get to did not know this. When we eventually get to Grant Morrison's Action Comics, you will understand why I love Mister Mixelplick's. I am. Uh, I, he's a I goofy guy. Also- very excited for that so he fucking rocks i like he does not get like a lot of time in the first issue but just the fact that mark russell is like right from the get-go you know dropping in a character with the absurdity of mixoplex which at that time of dc comics it was all the like watchmen crossovers and like scott snyder was writing like dark knight's metal it was all the advertisement in this trade is for uh, a luck yeah, it's all this like it's all this stuff that I just despised, and this was such a breath of fresh air in terms of being like what I want from superhero comics. Because like I, I I mean I've you know I love edgy superhero comics like you know as the the Daredevil born again defender like there is the, you know there's not there is a part of me that loves those books, but I think in terms of like what I want most from superhero fair is this like lighter stuff, and not that this book is light because it has like some surprisingly good uh satire like political satire but it is like it's fun it's Mm energy like there's an energy to it and a vibe to it that's just like fun to read you you sit down and you can knock out 12 issues of this in an afternoon like emily did i did she procrastinated uh like normal (laughs) but it's Um, it's, it really sets the tone like even in the first really yeah oh yeah and it's just really fun the whole way throughout i i think Mm -hmm. it like there are some issues with there are some problems I have with some of the later issues, but the whole time it is just like when it gets back to that core of just like Zan, well, in particular Zan, but also Jaina just getting up to hijinks and being yep. goofy. It is like it is fantastic, yeah. and that's what Mark Russell's always done really well. Like Alex and I, we were both huge Mark Russell fans. I think coming into this book, so I think you and I, when this book first came out, had some expectations for it probably more than like the average comic book reader yeah, uh, yeah. At, at that time. Although it was coming off Snagglepuss, which I don't think either of us really cared. No, for. and Flintstones is before that too. Um, I am, I'm Snagglepuss curious. We, we could read that. Mm. We could read um, uh, Flintstones, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually, I read, uh, I read a couple issues of Flintstones and enjoyed it. I hate so. that comic. Oh, I'm sorry. I, well, maybe I, it'll be better. I don't know. I would be curious to read it now, but I just hate that they like made the Flintstones about the Vietnam War. Like, I, 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 I did I not find that to be particularly. Yeah, like, I disagree with you. This was like, you know, this is like a still a joyful book, and I mean, even that first issue, it like it takes the whole thing where like the whole Justice League is like, oh my god, we're going to Mixel Plick, and he's like a big threat, and then it's like the Wonder Twins like show them like you know like they solve the issue, and it, it sets the tone for like 
I guess the thesis of this book and like, they, they know, like what it means to be a hero. They put Mr. Mixoplex in a 2008 YouTube 360 no scope compilation. Like they fucking owned his ass. They really did. They really did. To be clear, for those who haven't read the book, one of the ways you can defeat Mr. Mixoplex is by forcing him to say his own name backwards. And that sends him back to the fifth dimension. So what they do is Mr. Mixoplex comes into the Hall of Justice and Zan and Jaina have the computer that the Justice League no longer uses because it's so old and irrelevant. But they befriend this like sentient computer and they have it record Mr. Mixoplex saying his name and then reverse the audio. So it's Mr. Mixoplex's voice saying his name backwards, but it has the same effect and it sends him back to the to the fifth dimension. So and he's like, yeah. and, then, and then Jaina is just like so nonchalant about it. It's like when you're it's like when you like have the op in CSGO and you just like ace the opponent's team and then you're just like yeah, I'm just like that. You know, I'm just, I'm just smooth. I'm just iced. Like and then you feed it for the next baby. 25 rounds. But anyway, yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> but like, but, but you know, they for do round, feed yeah. for the next like 25 rounds. They, <laughs> the, the the Wonder Twins do be taking some L's in this it's book. True. It's um, true. But it, it's like, and I think that issue like really sets the tone for for the rest of the series. It's, yeah. it's phenomenal stuff. Who are y'all's favorite characters? And I'll start with Jean-Luc this time. Uh, I'm a Jaina girly. I'm a, I'm a Jaina head. Uh, I mean, I have to be honest. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but the, the smelly guy is my actual favorite character in this book. I, I find well, him. He, he shows up like in two issues, I think. But both times he shows up, he's like, I, you just feel so bad for him because he's like the friendliest dude and wants to just like hang out and play board games and, you know, watch Blu-rays with his, with his homies, but everyone hates him because he smells really bad, which like, I, I, I get not wanting to hang out with people who smell bad. Like that's fair, but like you feel really bad for him. Cause it's not like, it's not like he has bad hygiene and that's why he smells bad. He just naturally does. So I find him very endearing, um, but also like the sort of like, teenage melancholy of Jaina speaks to me on a, on a, <laughs> on a deep and personal level. And also the fact that the number one villain in her life is Superman. Also very much like me, the number one <laughs> villain in my life, Superman, the hated Kal-El. So I, I really appreciate the, the way that Jaina is, is written in this book. I, I, I really enjoy Jaina. I, I mean, like I also, I really enjoy Jaina um she is very much a like a character written for me but like Zan I I just <laughs> ev- like every time he did anything I'm just like oh man buddy like I relate to you so hard. He's, he's, it's like Jaina is like a character that is written for you and then Zan is a character that is just like even more written He's not for you. he's not dumb but he's so earnest that yes! it's like like, yeah, I she's just, just like I, Emily. She's not dumb, but she's really earnest. Yeah, that's the slogan. That's, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, but I just, oh man, like I just, I have so many screen caps of him just like saying stupid stuff. Like, um, I think my favorite, my favorite Zan moment, I have to say, is when they're at the the garlic dungeon. Which, by the way, like I need a garlic dungeon T-shirt because what a fucking like brilliant Olive Garden parody. Uh, but. <laughs> He's trying to order dinner and he says he'll have the scared tuna. And so we just like, um, do you mean the seared tuna? And I don't know, something about the scared tuna, just like I love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he rocks. The the Zan moment that really speaks to me, and this is also in Emily's Twitter f- thread. If you go to at Panda Read Comic Reads Comics on Twitter. Or sorry, on X, my bad. Um, the moment where z- after they apprehend uh, the maths and Zan tells his friends, uh, tells the people at school that he like said a, re- and that's why you're, and, and he, he said to the scrambler, and your egg is scrambled. At least that's what I would have said if I thought about <laughs> it at the time. And it's like, damn, that's the most like, that's the realest shit ever. That's like, when I'm in the shower, like two weeks ago, thinking about how I should have easily dispatched my debate opponent in 12th grade uh, <laughs> and what I could exactly what I could have said to win the moment. But, you know, those are great answers. And I love Zan and Jaina, but I'm, I'm a Lex Luthor head. And if I was, I, if you okay. could see the camera, also, I'd be bald. The, the, the Lex Luthor presence in this book like, I guess I didn't know that he owned Fox News. And so, like, the the reality of Lex News and, like, like the, the um, what is it, the fucking show called? Um, Judge, Jury, and Lexicutioner? No, that's, yeah. the, that's the tagline. What is the show called? It's, it has hmm. Lex in it. But anyway, like, that shit. I laughed so fucking hard. And everybody looks like Lex Luthor. It doesn't matter if it's like a guy everybody or a girl or like, like they're just shaved and like and, and then there's that there's there's Pundit Bot, which is also another one of my fan favorites. I love, I love Pundit, Pundit, Bot. Pundit Bot. Pundit Bot's great. I love Pundit Bot. Yeah, I mean, the, like, there's a lot of like this. I guess this was a question we go into, but there's a lot of silly like background details in this world, like the Lex garlic dungeon. Lex and balances. Lex and balances. And then, and, it's and so then, good. And then one of the guys, and then they have Scarecrow there as the straw man, and the he just has his argument, and it's so good. It's so good. That so that's also, I guess, my answer for this question I haven't asked yet. But uh, there's so many like background details and like silly things, and my favorite one is definitely like LexCorp news and all that, all that fun stuff going on. Um, how about you guys? I do love the the judge on that being like the most explicit like uh janine Pirro parody which you will not understand unless you are like mark like this is one of the upsides of mark russell having severe 2016 lib on twitter brain poisoning is that he knows like he doesn't just know tucker carlson and laura ingram he knows the like c-tier fox news hosts well enough to shit on them in a dc comic and it's and so funny it rocks he's hilarious it's it's very very funny um i in terms of like background stuff i mean i i, I wish i had like made more notes of stuff like this 
because there are so many great just like background jokes in, in in basically every issue of this uh of, of this yeah. series and like it feels like every page is like chock-a-block with something i love the i love the beware of invisible jet sign on the hall of justice yeah that's pretty I, funny um i like that the um the secret headquarters for the league of annoyance is in a web toys building uh really enjoyed that um there's uh there's like one line there's like a line of dialogue where um where Polly Math says, uh, I think everyone needs at least an hour a day to be alone with their brain. And Zan says, that sounds terrifying <laughs> that I really related to. <laughs> that I took a screen cap of. Um, One of the other things is there's the issue where Zan and Jaina are on the high school reunion committee. And it opens with their principal, uh, his like morning routine. And one of the things is him opening like the fake DC universe version of Tinder. And instead of couching it like at all, it just says zero people like you, which is very funny. Yeah. Just the, you know, that's how it feels, you yeah, know, swiping like on Tinder to, sometimes. But I, w- I would like to point out because I have the screen cap uh, or I, I, I have this, the, the cap in front of me right here. Um, it is called Sad Dads Dating, but sadder. <laughs> it's like it's like he wrote that in the notes for the art. It's like he wrote that in the notes for the art, and the artist just like I'm keeping this. This is one it. Of, one of my favorites is um, there's a the sign for the juvenile detention center that's owned by LexCorp or Lex mm-hmm. LexCon. It says uh, "Prison Kids" and "Kids" is with a Z, and then it says a subsidiary of LexCon. <laughs> um, because I'm scrolling through it right now, this is also in in issue number uh, eight, which is the the reunion issue. There's a shot of the library with a poster of Gun Cop that says Gun Cop says read. And and Gun Cop, of course, is the 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 as I think Emily and Alex alluded to, when Zan goes on the date with the girl, they are seeing, you know, Gun Cop. Oh, and yeah. Zan is okay. really into Gun Cop, which also apparently, and I'm just remembering this now, but apparently it is like a play, not an actual movie. If you oh. if you go to that issue, there it's there's a shot. It, it I, I, I need to look at it now, but I remember noticing this when I was reading the issue. So I'm, I'm trying to find Superman and Batman. Also, I think it's in the last issue. They trade a line of dialogue. Be like, ah, uh, you know what? We need to be better. And then they're like, but let's go see Gun Cop later. We're on for eight o'clock. And they're like, yeah. So then they go, they go see their film. Well, Superman and Batman, you know, Clark and Bruce have to go on their date, their little dates. That's cute. They have to get away from, you know, Selena and Lois for a night and go on their little boy dates. Yeah. I also love in the, um, in the reunion one where, where they open up a casino and Zan's just like full on, like sketchy casino, man. He's like, I'm going to, like, I'm going like, oh to break god, your needs. Yeah. Kind the, of thing. Oh my God. I, yeah, I took, I definitely took screen caps of that moment because like, he's like, he goes so hard and then he's like, I see now that the animal here was me <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I love him so much. Uh, it's good. It's good. It's, it's funny. So good. 
and then at the same time the series like tackles like a like a, a number of like serious like topics or like you know like, stuff like for, for instance a serious topic uh when your twin says that uh they are when they say that they are the older sibling when they are only a minute to three minutes older than you that is are you the older sibling no i am not my sister is a single minute older than me and i have lived it down my entire life so when i there was the moment of like them doing the fist bump and like Jaina refers to uh, Zan as little brother and he's like you're only three minutes older than me like that was the realest shit in the <laughs> world oh. that was so real I'm glad it's authentic for the twin experience you know this, the, this yeah. book I, I can say I feel like this book is authentic to the twin experience so you should just have your sister read it and you should yeah. wonder twin pill your sister. Yeah, and then the tattoo and comes. convince her to get the tattoo. Yeah. Actually, I that would almost work, I think. I feel like I wouldn't even have to. I feel like I could just say, Ashley, do you want to get a Wonder Twins tattoo? And she'd be like, hell yeah. Yeah. My sister's been like- wanting to get twin tattoos with me for years. So I think she would just jump at whatever opportunity I gave her. So like, do you want to get Gleek tattoos? Can our, we, our, the three of us, we can yeah. get bleak tattoos. I'd do that. You can't get two under twin yeah. tattoos, though. See, no, That's... but the, the thing is, is the, the only tattoos I have on my body right now are ones that are, like, companion tattoos with other people. So this would just be, like, continuing the trend. If, if Chad's in on it, I'll do it. It would be really easy for Emily, too, because if she does the, if she puts Zam on her arm and her sister puts Jan on her arm, then she can just put Gleek like sitting on Zan's shoulder. It would just be like a natural extension. So it's kind of like a two for one thing where it can be like her twin tattoo. Yeah. Also, and some would say more importantly, I would say more importantly, the podcast co-host tattoo podcast. Podcast. Yay. Um, I am at I am at any moment uh, ready to get a matching tattoo with any person I'm on a podcast with. You're on a lot of podcasts. Do you have matching That's tattoos that. with all your other podcast co-hosts? Are we uh, No, just uh, only one, and then the other one is I have like they're not matching, but like I have like a complimentary tattoo with my girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Um. Yeah, funny comic. But it, I mean, Mark Russell also puts in a few, you know, serious topics or things in the thing. Like, you know, he goes like, oh, prison industrial complex, policing, yeah, capitalism. They, and then some like gay marriage like, stuff with like Colonel 86 and, that like, I was like. Racism. And a, a lot. A lot of stuff thrown at the wall. I feel like, I don't feel like, the, as much as I like this book, I don't feel like it really adequately uh, tackles any of the like socio-political topics that come up in this book i i think i will say this i don't think it does a bad job i just don't think it does a job really i think he does a pretty good job with the prison stuff yeah not that i'm like out here expecting him to be like writing a manifesto like i'm sort of but for what the book is like i think that he does a good because there's like a bit in issue two where the wonder twins tour a prison and they see that it's like as with american prisons like it is just a way 
It is just contemporary enslavement. Because basically. on their planet, they don't have prison. The worst thing that they have yeah, they just is fu- community college. They, they, oh, yeah. They just, and then yeah. they have the fuck day. They, they fuck every time there's a thunderstorm. Oh, yeah. yeah the thunderlust. Thunderlust <laughs> also. Honestly, me and, me and who? Uh, right? I'm saying. Right. Um, but they, they tour the prison and then... Z- uh, Jaina becomes she becomes radicalized and becomes uh, hashtag defund the police prison abolition. Let's go pre George Floyd protests. So she was really ahead of the curve on this stuff, um, and she like has this whole arc where she tries to convince the Justice League that like they shouldn't just send people to prison because the system is like completely broken and there's this great moment in issue three where beast boy is like, well, I don't know. It works. And he just like completely brushes it off. And, and you can see Jaina. This is also another very Jean-Luc moment where someone is like, no, like things are, are things work. And she's losing her fucking mind. <laughs> I feel like this, like so often talking to people like, no, it, it's, it does not work. It's, it's yeah. completely fucking broken. And, you know, even like to the point where like even Superman is like, yeah, we just, you know, we have to work within the system we're given. Um, It's I think that that element of the book is is really strong. But I, I would agree. I would agree with you, Emily, that some of the other stuff, especially as the book progresses, I think it gets weaker. Yeah. The I sort mean, of I, like political yeah. satire. The stuff I, I, in the first six, I think is like actually really tight and it like is satisfying. And, and the place where it ends, I think makes it powerful too. Cause you're at a point where you're like, wait a minute, these people decided to get rid of all the laws be, that were going to like, you know, make the world better because they're not getting scrambled anymore. And the kicker is like, they're going to get scrambled maybe right away kind of thing. And it's going to happen. And it's like a nice open ending that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which doesn't end up happening. So, I mean, it is a very, very much like a, it is the, the standard, like kind of, this is very, a very, st- I think, okay, sorry. That was kind of a mess, but I think you, the, the correct lens to look at this through is not so much that it's satirizing or commenting on real life politics though it kind of is but more that it's a critique of like the politics of superhero comics specifically which is that often you have villains in superhero comics who are right or empathetic but oh they just take it too far this is a very common trope in in superhero comics that the villain is right but their solution is to kill millions of people or whatever and Wonder Twins kinds of posits that like, in fact, it's the opposite that the villain villains, the villains are right, but the only way to extract the concessions that are actually necessary is to take it to this length that seems comical that like, you know, you it's this like, and we see this bear out in reality all the time. It's not just a superhero comics thing, but you know, you don't actually extract concessions from people by like, you know, doing it quote unquote the right way by like, you know, protesting, doing like peaceful protests for two hours and then going home and then voting every four years or whatever. Like these sort of extreme methods are the only way to extract the kinds of concessions that you're looking for. And so when the scrambler and Polly hatch their plan, like the threat of it alone is enough to get what they want. Like, 
they are on the verge of success and frankly would not have actually had to go through with their plan. Like that is the the bit at the end of issue six is that it's just the threat of something that like society altering. And obviously like it's on a scale we would never see in reality. Like he's threatening to scramble the brains of 7 billion people or 8 billion people. Like it's totally different than anything that would exist in reality, which is why it's, I think it's, you know, more of a critique of the, the, the superhero tropes in particular. Um, and what does the justice league do? Uh, they show up and ruin it at, at, at the 11th hour. They show up and they stop the big bad thing from happening. Because, yeah, I mean, if uh, the result is that a billion squ- people scrambled, like you have a baby on like nuclear codes or whatever. Like from that, it makes sense. But it's like. Right. Well, except for the fact the that, you know, yeah. And what does that do? Like everybody, all of a sudden, people become rational actors because they aren't owned by other interests and they're all of a sudden owned by their own self preservation instincts, which is if I get scrambled with a six year old. I don't want them to have access to the nuclear codes, so we should denuclearize. And the people who right. are most desperate are the people who have the most power, which is why, you of know, course, they show the president, yeah. they show those people. It's like, well, I, the chances of me getting a better deal, probably not happening. So let's make everybody's life better just in case I go there. Can I just um, say that the one of the most gratifying moments of this book for me was definitely when Lex Luthor was in space and he was being taunted by that intern. <laughs> like, the... The joy, the the sorry, I I hit my microphone. The the joy, the the Schadenfreude, like I just oh, like it was it was just it was delicious. I have to say, like because yeah. So what happens is Lex because, like, does the, what the, the scrambling it can't go to space or whatever for whatever reason. So like Lex shoots himself into space and ends up like realizing that maybe this was not the most 100 idea he's ever had. When when his intern is ordering hundreds of dollars of DoorDash on on his <laughs> company credit card. And all Which he I- has to do is say his name and he can't yeah, he can't yeah no it's a it's it's a wow. great moment wow. um yeah. Love it. and so i think in that way like what the book is doing is very effective um some of the other stuff i agree the um i don't think to an extent i admire him for trying but i don't think mark russell has the wherewithal to uh tackle an issue like uh you know the you know, police killings of, of African-Americans. I, I think that more or less falls flat and props to him. He kind of realizes it's falling flat and uh, yeah. ejects from that plot line really quickly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can tell, I, you kind of get the sense that like he th- thought he was a genius when he came up with it. And then after that issue went to print was like, uh, uh, maybe I'm not the right person to be tackling this and, yeah, and kind of shuffled it off to the side. I was disappointed, but in the way that some of the plot lines or some of like the things that seem to be getting set up sort of felt abandoned, but I prefer that to it being executed poorly. So, because I it, like overall, I felt I like I I still left this book with a really strong impression, and if like those issues had been handled badly, I you know I can't say that that would be the same. So uh, I'm I'm fine with it. 
Yeah, and even like I, I let. I like love the front half. I love the first six issues. I think it's like tight. I think it's snappy. I think there's so many funny moments, but also so many, you know, moments that are like, oh, cool. Like they're actually like doing something here. Um, and I just love that cliffhanger where it's like everyone's mind's going to get scrambled. Yay. And then, you know, when the book comes back, it's like so different. Um, and then it kind of like with, with the Colonel 86 stuff, I felt like that was just kind of like he's there and then they take him down. Um, yeah, it like. I'll admit it felt kind of weird, but because I did read this all like in one big chunk, uh, I don't necessarily have that divide because it was just like, like I, I never had a moment of like, oh, this is an actual cliffhanger because like, I know that there's six more issues. So like, there wasn't any sort of like, uh, there wasn't any sort of gravity to that uh, for me. And I guess that that makes for a different, uh different absorption experience for the story i i'm actually with emily on this and i remember alex you and i and chad were all uh i think we all continued to like the book like when it went to issue seven to twelve like we enjoyed it but we were very critical about how it felt like mark russell had plotted six issues and the other six sort of fell into his lap and he didn't really have a plan to, to go through with them. But I will say that reading all, tw- reading all 12 back to back, this, this is the first time I've read it since, you know, we read it monthly back in yeah. 2019 and 2020. Um, it feels way more, there's a much more fluidity to it, in my opinion. Um, I felt like it flows way smoother into the, into the second arc when you don't have, cause there was also like maybe a five, six month delay. In yeah. Between. Cause, cause like, I mean, he, he didn't know he was getting six more issues and he kind of did. Yeah. He was like, cool. Um, and so I think without that, like that time skip in between of like not having issues for like however many months it was. And then all of a sudden having issues again, Yeah, it feels much more seamless, even though I do think like, I still kind of hold on to that notion that the first six issues are really tightly plotted. And the second set is just a, like the writing is just a little less sharp. He uh, definitely had like ideas where things are going to. And like, you know, like the first, um, the first arc ends and there's so there's there's things where it's like oh like where's where's polly's dad and it's like oh the phantom zone like you see like a shot of that like th- there are things going forward that it's like it can build towards but didn't feel like there was 12 issues worth and i think the main thing yeah no i just think like the main thing was rereading this though was like i forgot how many funny bits there were from 7 to 12 still that made it like as much as I felt like it wasn't as coherent and it wasn't as, you know, solid of a story, there were still so many funny moments that happened in 7 to 12 that I forgot about. Because um, I remember the ones from 1 to 6, basically, like, everyone that came up, I was like, oh, there we go. There's Red Flag. Like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And the second half still had so so many funny ones, like the one we talked about, like, Luthor coming back from space or trying to, and then <laughs> the Wonder Twins pretend to be, like, Gorilla Grodd to, like, send him in there. They lock him that in a cage. That was really and, funny, yeah. Uh, oh, that yeah. was so good. I, like, I literally was, like, I, like, kind of cheered a little bit when they did that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, what a good little ruse. Yeah, that was great. Um, My hypothesis is sort of that after DC fucked Mark Russell over on Second Coming, which kind of happened in the middle of Wonder Twins coming out, I think his focus was much more on his, like, 
uh, non DC stuff in terms of what he was writing. Yeah, and sure. I, I don't. That may not may or may not be the case. But if it is, I can't say that I blame him because he got a raw deal on. So on it's the last comic, DC book Mark Russell's so. done. No, I, I think he did a Riddler one shot. Maybe. maybe. I don't remember. I I know that in the. I think it was the Catwoman holiday spot. There was some weird thing where that. he did like a six-page prez Emily ending. Emily yeah, yeah, that was so bad. That was so I know. bad. I, I know. I'm, I'm like, with you on that. It's like, so. why bring you bring it back? Oh, man. that That is still the most like... Yeah, so I don't think this was literally the last DC thing he Comics. wrote for DC Comics, but there was a time when he was like... He wasn't like a Scott Snyder or Jeff Johns kind of guy, but he was like a solid like mid-tier DC Comics writer that was getting a lot of work for at, at DC. He was pretty critically acclaimed. I think he got an Eisner nom, maybe a win for Flintstones. And, and I'm, Snagglepuss. I'm sure Snagglepuss. Yeah. Snagglepuss got noms. I don't know if it won. I think it Flintstones got, it got a Glad Award, I think, too, for Snagglepuss. It did, if I'm yes. remembering correctly. Um, and, and Prez was very well-reviewed. Prez, you know, died too soon. <sighs> Prez, very well reviewed by this. Well, I guess not this show. The previous show. This show was a little mid on it. Alex and Jean Luc love Prez. Uh, You know, it was other other like insofar as there is a wait but d- wait did we read press for this show or do we read it for the other show we might have read it for, I, well I, both it predates it predates comics podcast no 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 i know because we read it we no. did a collection i don't know if it was a book club or if it was we, a we did it for the lot we did do it for the last show that that okay, is correct. that's what i was we, asking because i read it with you guys yeah during yeah, yeah. during covid yeah we did a book club episode on press okay yeah. right, right, right which was also very well liked by everybody on that show Yes. and it's very i mean like i love mark russell's like very mark russell core if you will like i i just love his general look and like um i haven't read anything in a while because i guess it was this thing then i read a, i read second coming the first volume and stuff like that and then i'm sure he's working i think on he's stuff. still doing second coming books like books in that universe i'll go back and see which is yeah. for those who don't know what second coming is it was originally supposed to be a dc comic where uh, we had the second coming of Christ in the DC universe, and he became best friends with Superman. And DC was going to publish. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. So the second coming. I'm sorry, of- what? So it was written. What? It's I'm not. Sorry, what? So it's not. So it's the second coming of Christ, be- specifically because God thinks that Jesus is such a bum and a failure of a son, so he sends him back to Earth. Uh, to learn from Superman, how to be a real I hero. Think it's Thor in the Marvel universe. That feels like a Thor thing. Like maybe. maybe. I mean, Thor is literally a god, so yeah. uh, maybe. But I, I don't know for sure. But at the last second, uh, DC caved to. They caved to like I don't know, like fucking mommy bloggers. They on, didn't like, even cave Christian... to like. They didn't even cave to like Ben Shapiro. They caved to somebody with like. 150 readers on WordPress or something like that uh, and, and canceled the book, but they let Mark Russell like keep ownership of the scripts. So he took it over to Ahoy where, he, which is, is that Mark Wade's? No. I, Mark Wade's is something else um, where he rewrote, where he, it, it did get released, but with, you know, a character that is not actually Superman, but a very clear, like Superman stand in. Um, I, it's good, but 
I would have loved to see the DC version of this. It, it would have been, yeah, very, very interesting. Something that Grant Morrison, I feel, would do. Wild. But we have I, Mark Russell. I, I'd never heard of this before. In Grant Morrison's Green Lantern run, they do have the Christian God. Kind of. Kind of. It, there's a there's a yeah. twist, but I yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I and those covers like fantastic. The it's Liam Sharp like, covers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, Beautiful. We're, we're Green Lantern's like, I'm gonna fight you, God, and God's like, I'm gonna get you. Yeah. See, the thing is, Grant Morrison had the cachet to be to tell DC, like, you don't get to tell me what to do. Sure. <laughs> Whereas Mark Russell, the thing is, he doesn't have that cachet. I wish he did because I feel like there is a sicko Mark Russell comic out there that we are never that is never going to see the light of day. But I think no, you're n- so right. now that he's with Ahoy and stuff, like I, ah, but I but feel it's like not his- the same because there's there is a difference between doing independent sicko comics. Like that's the whole point of independent comics is like they are for sickos. But then you're, so you're it Frank makes Miller, them beautiful, and you're like, when I'm not going to draw you- this comic. I'm going to get Jim Lee to draw it. And it's going to be called Batman and Robin All-Star. See, that's the thing is when you get an All-Star Batman and Robin or a Grant Morrison Green Lantern or Batman Reptilian, when you get to have actual or again, next episode, we're going to be talking about Grant Morrison's Wonder Woman Earth One. When you get to have these iconic characters put in sicko scenarios there is a different level of like enjoyment that at least I, as somebody with a lot of affinity yeah. for DC and Marvel characters can get, get from that. Well, it's like we see so much of the same shit with DC and Marvel characters that when, you know what, when you get a reptilian or you like, you get, you get them in weird scenarios, like, Oh, like green lanterns fighting God. It's like, Oh, I thought he just fought the Sinestro Corp. That's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> when I get the extremely horny Garth Ennis killer croc comic, uh, you know, Batman I, is a comic that I'm going to think about for the rest of my life. I same. I that is like it is like the most David Cronenberg comic I have ever should, read. It's we should do an episode of Batman. We should, I, dude. I will take any chance to evangelize for Batman. And I know I, we're we're off on tangent. We'll get back to Wonder Twins. Any chance I have to evangelize for Batman Reptilian? I think truly, oh, we could find a companion book. Do that Reptilian. Reptilian's so short, but we could do that one in something else because I think it's only a four issue. But we could do a we could do a sicko week. God, I love <laughs> Batman Reptilian. We have to find it. Well, I guess Wonder Woman Earth One is kind of like a weirdly horny DC book, but it's not horny in the same way as Batman no, Reptilian. It's not that like depraved. No, God, no. But that brings and us to Killer Croc is something that I never thought would escape E621. That brings us to the Dark final Ennis. question. This <laughs> made it a reality. Craig Killer Croc is something that can be so personal. Who do you think <laughs> cries the most in this Wonder Twins comic? You can't say oh, pregnant Killer Croc. Zan, Zan cries Z- the most. You think Zan? No, no, no. He's water. He's literally water. water. But he, it's but, not a choice. It's not like a. But he becomes tears but he has like such a happy-go-lucky mentality and does he ever once become tears in the book i don't think so thunderlust well he does feel really embarrassed when he when he has his first boner and while he's giving a presentation to the class which you know we've all been there uh 
but you know, he has such a happy go lucky attitude that I feel like he doesn't cry. I feel like Jaina, like she might be like too tough to cry. And that's sort of like, you know, early 2000s strong female protagonist archetypical sort of way. But I feel like she's, she's in her feelings a lot. And I agree with the Druncula thing. Druncula. Yes, absolutely. Cries oh, a yeah, lot. Druncula probably I, I think the too. bug guy also is crying a lot. I, I feel bad for like, he, oh. I love praying mantis. Yeah. Um, I really like one thing I will say I'm really bummed is that we, we don't get, we only get antphetamine like once she has I an amazing <laughs> line and we don't, she has an amazing line about how she's like, trying to recruit evil children, which is very funny. And then I don't think she really gets much after that, but I would have loved no, to have seen more. she's so funny. funny. She's very funny. The whole League of Annoyance concept does I just I love rock. them so much. <laughs> Mini series League of Annoyance. Do you think it has enough to like... Please! I will buy every copy. I I think absolutely. And it's it's... That's another thing where it's like to go back to like the superhero tropes. I feel like this is something that like Morrison really popularized, but then a lot of writers have sort of followed in their footsteps on this where they go back to like the Silver Age, find these goofy characters and reboot them in a serious way. You know, like Tom King did that whole thing where he made like Kite Man a serious character with like he gave Kite Man had depression. The the most like I want to fucking blow my brains out era of DC next. Uh, Mark Russell does the opposite where he goes back and finds these goofy characters. And in some cases of, I think these are new characters. He's just like, no, they're just stupid. Like Count (laughs) Dracula, very stupid. Amphetamine, stupid. Praying Mantis, stupid. But also you're going to love these guys. And you know what? I love those guys. It's like the, I do. It's, it's like the pencil from like like Silver Age Batman comics. Like eraser, we, yeah. We did that one yeah. about the eraser. It's like he would fit yeah. right in here, and it's cool that Absolutely. you can create your own characters with it. Yeah. But it has that spirit. So charming. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is that Silver Age mentality of just like, what's the goofiest concept you can have come to your head, and like, don't take it ser- like the whole ethos of this book feels like you can't like you can't take superheroes that seriously, and again. Am I pro serious superheroes when they're done right? Absolutely. Am I at the same time much more excited when people are like, yeah, these superhero guys, they're stupid and dumb and funny. Don't you love them? And I'm like, yeah, those are my guys. You have to have have a certain affinity for superheroes to be, be able to do the superheroes are dumb Yeah, that's the thing is it's not like a because sometimes you'll read stuff and it's clear that the writers like do not like superheroes, do not like characters. Uh, Well, that's justified, but not that the boys is good, but I understand his perspective. But, you know, you you watch a Marvel movie and you're like, oh, the people writing this don't actually care about these characters in a real way. Yeah. Uh, Whereas you read this and even though it's like taking the absolute piss out of like, even like major Justice League characters, like it's very loving. Like in, it's doing it in a way that is like clear that like Mark Russell loves these characters. Yeah. And it's like the perfect balance. Yeah. Movie. And the Mixoplick thing at the beginning. And, and I mean, even with the Justice League, like he paints like Superman gets a lot of time where he's talking about like basically his like belief system um, throughout and like what it means to be Superman and that kind of stuff. 
Um, and I love that speech that he gives to Jane at the end. Like, I know I facetiously said I love that Superman is the villain of this book. And in some ways he is. But I love that he has that, like, you know, moment at the end where he comes to Jane and actually says something very profound to her about how he also understands that the things that they do are not necessarily, like, maybe in the moment they're doing the right thing, but they're not actually making the world a better place. But you have to, like do what you can in a, a compromised in a compromised world to you know leave a positive impression on it which i understand why like that rings hollow coming from a guy who could solve all the world's problems if he felt like it but also like that also goes to like you know at the end of the day like he's more clark kent than he is kal-el he 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 you know, we can sit here and intellectualize about how like Superman has all these powers, but at the end of the day, he is more human than he is Superman. And that's why he still has that perspective at the end of the day, that he can't Mm -hmm. shape humanity's destiny for them. He can't go out and and do that. And, And frankly, I don't even know. And this is something that actually like the Tom Taylor, like Uh, Jonathan Kent book kind of grapples with is that like it doesn't even really occur to Clark that he should be doing that that he can do that like he doesn't even have the thought that like he could mold the world to his whims and when he does it's an injustice comic or like when it's yeah it's always like it never ends well um so I I don't know but yeah I I I, that that moment in like issue 10 or 11 is is really is a really great Superman moment um and was the first actually we talked about how Mark Russell hasn't done much DC work. Totally forgot about Superman Space Age, which came out last year, which very much like is an excellent super Superman comic. And this is like the first instance of him writing Superman in a way that's like, you know, very clearly understands the character. Highly recommend if you like this. Maybe we'll do it for the show at some point. But if you like Wonder Twins and have like any interest at all in even like a very passing one in Superman and DC stuff. Superman Space Age is fantastic. I, I can't. Mike Allred, Mark Allred on art too. Mike Allred on art. Yeah, beautiful book. Yeah. Any last thoughts on Wonder Twins? I don't. Th- I'm I'm looking through my screenshot here <laughs> to see if there's anything else I I want to bring up that I particularly. Enjoy. I like that they get the koala back that gets zapped into the Phantom Zone. <laughs> they do. They make sure to get the the koala out of the Phantom Zone, and also. Um, Colonel 86's Hello We Yo. I loved reading that in the most the heaviest southern drawl my Midwest brain could imagine. That was that's the first time I read this book I did that. This time I, I read it, I did that. It's a very enjoyable experience. Highly recommend. I really enjoy there's one scene where um where Lex Luthor is talking to like some guy and he's like <sighs> why am I so misunderstood? And then the other guy says, I believe the word is hated, sir. (laughs) And I enjoyed that. Um, Yeah, there are just, there are so many little moments. I I made a a funny edit of a panel from this book uh, where the principal guy asks Jaina, uh, do you know what an adult is, Jaina? And I replaced his reply with, uh, do you know what an adult is, Jaina? A miserable little pile of secrets. <laughs> so they sure uh, is. Shout out to the, the Castlevania heads in the chat. On that Look one. at them all. 
look at them all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this was a good book, and I I really enjoyed it. And um, I'd say if you can buy, if you can find it all in the collection, twelve issues, buy that. If you can only get either the first volume or the second volume, I'd get the first volume. (laughs) But it's worth reading the whole thing. I mean, there's great stuff in this. It is. Absolutely. I'm glad we reread this because I had always, I had had this impression of it in my mind, like, oh, that's a great six issue mini and a mediocre 12 issue maxi. And in reality, it's a very good 12 issue maxi series. Like there's a lot of good stuff here. I'm glad I I reread it. And it's probably, you know, you go to local con, you'll find this for cheap. This is not going to be a regular. Yes. You will find this at a used bookstore for $3 and 50 cents. I got mine for $2.99 for volume one. Which is unfortunate. Like I... You always want, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into like how badly, how bad DC and Marvel are at selling like truly great comics like this one. But it is a travesty that this book did not sell way better. than Batman Hush I mean, never goes on sale. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I mean, Dark Knight's Metal outsold this. And part of that is just because like there are probably a lot of people like Emily out there who would really enjoy wonder twins, but probably also like Emily would not know it existed unless they had three white dudes as friends who did a podcast about weekly comics for uh, five years of their lives. Uh, You know, so I, I, I wish this had gotten to more people because I think there's an audience for stuff like this and it's, it's not the traditional comics audience, even though this did so well, I, I actually looked at the numbers out of curiosity for the first six issues and it was hitting 20 K a month pretty consistently. Um, but you know, that's still, you know, the, the the seven through 12 did not hit like that. So yeah. yeah, And for DC comics, like 20 K is like, uh, going to get canceled. 20 K is good. Now I, it is funny that like, I have new 52 brain where like, if it's 20 K you're getting canceled. Right, which is like it used to be if you were below 30, I think it was like an instant cancellation. The comics market is not what it was in 2011 anymore. Uh, And even in 2019, it was not what it was in 2011. You can sell 20K copies of a book and be fine. Even though Wonder Twins, again, should sell way more than that. Way more people should read it. But unfortunately, it did not. Nope. So, but hopefully, hopefully, some people listen to this episode and go, "That sounds interesting," and yeah. they go read it, and then they tell their friends to go read it, and more people read the Mark Russell and mm-hmm. Stephen Byrne Wonder Twins because yeah. it's a great book. And it is. I yeah. really want people to to go out and enjoy it. And everybody that reads it, send five dollars to Crying in the Book Club to keep us going. Yeah. It only works if you pay. Um, you hear that sound? That's the sound. What's that yep. sound That's the opening riff of In for a World of Hurt by the band. That's crazy. Fans. I thought that's the sound of, wow, that's the Doomsday Clock, which was coming out around this time, actually. Fun fact. Um, but I don't, know, I don't know what it's doing here, but it's hanging out, which means it's time for our favorite Sorry, segment. One last, one last aside before we get to that. That really is that inside you there are two wolves, is DC publishing Doomsday Clock and the Wonder <laughs> Twins at the same time. One a loving reinterpretation of classic characters. The other, whatever the opposite of Doomsday Clock. <laughs> hey, the Riddler's in Doomsday Clock, so. Speaking of things that make us cry, oh, Emily, what's, what, what, what is your cry space for this week? 
unfortunately, because John Luke and I spent a good deal of time talking before the recording, and also because we are in group chats together, so I've talked about this at length already, you guys already know what my cry space is, and it's that I saw Fallout Boy, and it uh, was incredible and beautiful and i uh i i went by my i went i took myself uh six hours uh to atlanta uh by uh, to see fallout boy alone and uh because i was supposed to go with somebody but then at the very last second they had a scheduling conflict so i just went by myself and um they played a song that they had never played live before which was baller it was uh from now on we are enemies which was a bonus track on their best of album believers never die um and they also played my favorite song of theirs of all time which is grand theft autumn where's your boy and i uh had a good time with that they also played a song from their new album that i put on a playlist that i made for my girlfriend so that did make me cry a lot um (laughs) But all it was just it was an incredible show, and it was also the first concert that I've been to since uh, the pandemic hit. So that was also just really special. Yay. And I had a great, great time. Yay! That's wonderful. Jean Luc, did you also watch Follow Boy in Atlanta and not tell Emily? <laughs> it would be really <laughs> funny if I had been at the same show and that would had been just so avoided funny. her. I feel like I wouldn't have been able to miss you. <laughs> What do you mean? I'm very missable in a in a Fallout Boy crowd. Come on, there's got to be like hundreds of you know n- average looking white dudes at a Fallout Boy the, concert because of the way that the venue was set up. Because it it was an amphitheater, I feel like if you had been out on like the lawn area where I also was, which is where the cheap tickets were, which is where I assume that you would be. Uh, I never at amphitheater shows. I always pay extra to not be on the lawn. I hate being on the lawn. Yeah, oh, he yeah, hates no, the lawn. Lo- Don't I get him started. The, I love the lawn because I can uh, I can roll up with a joint that I snuck in in my bra and just uh, that's fair in the middle of the lawn. Unlike you, I live in a state where it's legal, so I can just take gummies into shows with me. I mean, if it were legal, I would just bring a joint. Yeah. No, I was I was not at a Fall Out Boy show. Boo. Uh, Boo. I I wouldn't mind seeing Fall Out Boy, but like, I, I'm not the Fall Out Boy. The Fall Out Boy is like if they're it on a festival. Crazy Train. That's pretty funny. Fall Out Boy is it one was, of those bands that they're like, funny. if they're on a festival lineup, I will get excited about it and go see them and have a good time. But because of like, it's like, or if they were like less popular than they are. I would go see them because their tickets would be like way cheaper. Right. So like if they were playing like general admission shows or whatever, like, yeah, I'd go see follow up boy, but no, my, my cry space is that, uh, not to, you know, once again, go into the Jean-Luc watched a movie that made him feel something. Well, uh, Garfield, the tale of two kitties. You nailed it. Uh, I watched the, uh, 2013, uh, Gia Zonki film, a touch of sin, uh, a few days ago which I, A, highly recommend to people, um, but B, also did, like, by the end, actually did get me to tears. There were a couple moments, not, like, bawling or anything, but there were a couple moments before where I was, like, 
really feeling stuff. And then by the end, there was just some things that really, really moved me. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a movie kind of about like, it's, it's like these different vignettes that are all sort of connected by a couple characters that like cross paths with each other unknowingly. Um, but about people who are, you know, sort of victimized and exploited by capitalism and it snaps them and leads them to commit these really uh, atrocious acts of violence um, often to other people, but sometimes to themselves. So it really landed for me. I highly recommend it. It is absolutely beautifully shot. The score is fantastic. And the sort of like, there's like a matter of factness to it about how like, the inevitability of like how people just crack under the pressure of being exploited by, you know, wage labor day in and day out. Um, and it just leads them to do like really horrific things. Uh, highly recommend it. Very good movie. Um, maybe not quite for the faint of heart. There is some like pretty, there are some moments of like, there are some moments of like pretty disturbing violence and not just like, uh, you know, people getting blown apart by guns, but also like sexual violence and stuff like that. So definitely go in like knowing stuff like that, but highly, highly recommend it really landed for me. Really just like made me very con feel very contemplative and reflected on the state of the world that we live in. Um, highly recommend it. Hell yeah. I have not liked my work recently. Um, but I went <laughs> But I went to a uh, a bachelor party at my friend's. His family like has like a a, a, a farmhouse, like two hours away. Uh, so it was just nice to spend the weekend like hanging out, playing board games, and then at nighttime we'd like drink and like stare at the stars and talk about stuff. And it was like, oh, it was nice. Oh, that sounds lovely. It was a lovely time. That's a that's a plot line in the new episodes of Riverdale. <laughs> I'm excited to get there next oh, Thursday. Oh man. I I need you guys to be caught up on Riverdale because the <laughs> I person know. I watch it with it is so like out and like not into it anymore. Uh, and I understand why, but man, the last two episodes have some, they, they, they cooked a little bit with. Some that's so exciting. That's so exciting. And this is how I felt when you were not in the superhero season. And I was like, they're doing so much stuff. It's so silly. It's great. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's a great show. Are we going to, are we going to have to, to do a river oh yeah when it's done when, se when season seven ends we should oh, yeah. do a, like, a super episode a, yeah 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 we should fun. do we should block off like a whole day and talk about riverdale we could go season by season we could do a full riverdale month um oh boy we could do a year <laughs> we could change I mean, the podcast unfortunately we really could just become I, a riverdale i think three of us i think the three of us in particular would have no qualms about as soon as riverdale ends just being like we don't talk about comics anymore we're a riverdale rewatch podcast that's fine now. that's fine and it would be fun to have someone on the show like you know like we throw a chat on here in the white worm <laughs> and just like you know we, we we go through the show and it's like this is it what happens. Would be funny like, no every it would be funny for as many episodes as we have to like get a guest who has never seen the show before and has only watched the episode that we're talking about on that show. Oh, that'd be just great! Just the piece together. We do one episode per season. We pick one episode. We do seven episodes. Because because I think early on, like the first you know season one, like. You get it. Like, if even if you come in in the season one finale, you can probably be like, okay, I get a sense for this. 
by the time you're in like griffins and gargoyles season three like season two starts to go off the head edge a bit whoever the guest would be for season four episode three when the preacher gets in the evil knievel outfit (laughs) blasts off tries to blast off the roof of an insane asylum in a rocket like, ship that i that i would feel for them because they would be so long it's it it's that simple it's well, but then, and then you have the highs and lows of high school football which i think is season three like yeah you, see but everyone knows the highs and lows of high school football i feel like that's kind yeah. of like in the you know i'm not like the jug had like monologue. yeah, yeah that's like true. those but, those two things are kind that's of like, such like a small that. part of the episode that you don't get the rest of it where you're like wait a minute yeah yeah oh i'm talking myself into doing this all this riverdale talk that you're gonna have to cut now? i'm not cutting the oh, riverdale no, no, talk no, no, people no. want to hear that if anything we'll cut half the comics talk <laughs> that's the yeah. that's the system uh, but we that, have to wrap up because I think yeah. we're hitting ninety minutes on this episode. We, we are hitting ninety. It always tricks me because whenever whenever we have to like stop and do yeah. it, and I'm like, oh, we've only been recording for thirty minutes. That's like our no. s- last week. I was like, that was great. We did it in fifty minutes, and John was like, no. you, you forgot about the hour and thirty we did before, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> we uh, talked about Berserk for was, a long time. It was. I think that cumulatively was only two hours. It was. It was two ten. I think two hours ten oh. minutes, something like that. Well, well the point is that's that's before. I cut stuff like once I cut stuff out, it was a little under two hours. Yeah, yeah. We got some plugs. Uh, you can follow our show on Twitter, the famous social media uh, network. Please, Alex. It's called X. It is fucking not. And, and the app logo looks like when you open it, you're gonna find some people who are gonna uh, fuck you in a dark alley. So you know. That's where that's you can Twitter. find our podcast. That's still I mean, that's Twitter. What I use Twitter for. That's Twitter for. Remember to rate us. If, if, if <laughs> you like, rocks. that rocks. I wish you, I used Twitter for that. If you like I'm these just little like bits, posting <laughs> dumb shit, you should rate and review us five stars on all your podcast platforms. Unless it's, it's out of ten, because if you I mean, only if you give us a five, me in a dark alley, you should you know write a review saying I want to fuck Jean Luc in a dark alley. And I'm listen to this episode to see Jean Luc cut this. I don't think he's gonna cut this. <laughs> um, but you know, that's cool. I'm gonna be really embarrassed when I listen to this episode sober in like a week and a half, and I'm like, "Why did I say that?" But see, like, it's, it's so, true, but it's why so did late I put it so out late there in the show. In it's so late in the show. I don't even think you'll see it. And it, like, I, I think this stays. I think this stays. But you know what? You can tweet at John Luke on wherever, wherever you tweet, wherever you tweet. You can Mountain Dew liker. Check him out. Uh, check him out on Letterbox because he's. Been, He's been a little. He's been a little movie fiend. He's been he's been gobbling up the movies and and spitting out maybe not letterbox reviews, but at, at least the the scores. Yeah, I actually wrote some stuff on Letterbox. Yeah. Not like anything long, but yeah. I, I wrote a little bit about A Touch of Sin, and I wrote a little bit about uh, the Australian horror film Talk to Me, which, by the way, very fun, uh, worth seeing. Australians, very fun. John you can... Luke, are you on Blue Sky? Are you kidding me? I'm on Truth fucking... Social, dude. Blue Sky has the most try-hard loser energy of any social media. You can find Emily on Blue Sky at... No, dude. I've seen screenshots of Blue Sky posts, and they are worse than, like, some of the most awful Twitter posts I've ever seen. You can find Emily... Look, if you're on Blue Sky, do your thing. You can find me on Blue Sky at pans.bsky.social or whatever the fuck. Nice. And See, it's so complicated. It's panned.bsky.social. I'm not typing that in. 
I mean, everybody is dot sky dot social or whatever. Yeah, and it's fucking stupid. It, yeah. Twitter. Look, the worst thing about the Elon I just Musk like acquisition being of a part of an invite only club. <laughs> of course you do, but the, the worst thing about Elon Musk taking over Twitter is that like he ruined what was the most beautiful social media platform. I like that the most the most contentious part of this episode is the plugs. I appreciate that. I like that. That's good. That's give give people what they want. You can find Emily on Letterboxd at Pandabore, uh, Twitch Pandabore, and in many podcasts, such as Imagine Me and Utina, Fresh Podcast Market, That Looks Terrible, and producing shows you might have heard of like Big Steppy, and nothing else is written here, so I can't say anything else. Um, There should also be a loser like me, but... And a loser uh, like me. I guess it's not there. That Looks Terrible oh. is a fun show. It's a great show. You should check yeah, it out. And the rest. Th- I endorse well, that looks terrible. There be episodes, would they? How many are out right now? Um, I'm not going to answer that question. Oh, the Velma's one's not out yet. I swear I was on the show, guys. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, look, I'm not editing it. So Honestly, at this point, if you just want, if some somebody wants to send me the files for the episode I was on, I will edit it and send the edited version because. I had a lot of fun being on that show. I think we had a good conversation about Winnie the we Pooh, did. Blood and Honey, and I would like people we to be did. able to hear it. We did. I will. I will. Uh, I will. Pro- I will propose. I will Jean-Luc. do this also for the Velma episodes and the Morbius episode. You may notice okay, a trend will... between those, which is that my friends are on them. I will. I will propose this uh, to the person with the files. You should propose so. this to Jean Luc when he's completely sober too, to make sure no, he wants Jean-Luc, to edit this. No, Jean Luc is, no, is on the record saying that he would do this, so uh, I don't have to propose this to sober Jean Luc. He's already agreed. Well, thanks for coming by the show and for speaking about the Wonder Twins. Remember, no matter which way things go next episode we're talking about uh wonder woman earth one by grant Morrison, yep. volume no matter one what. Three. so no matter which way things one go through three we'll be discussing that dude Jeez. they're so short they're so short i burned through volumes one and two in like an hour and a half last night so there's, it's, there's too much kissing there's a lot dude if you like kissing you'll love wonder woman's volume one and two i haven't read volume three it is a beautiful book in many, many ways. I'll leave it at that. Well, goodbye. Oh, did you guys listen to the new Carly Rae Jepsen album? Oh, yeah, actually. I need to like, give it another listen, but I I liked what I heard. Did I, you listen I, to it, Alex? I don't like it. I listened to it in order once. I mean, I've only listened to it once, um, but uh-huh. first thoughts are like, 
Oh boy, it's been a couple albums since I really liked Carly Rae Jepsen. And I, I mean, like right. Loneliest Time was probably like. You didn't like Loneliest eight, Time. Eight, eight songs I really liked, but there were a few that I was just like, man, I really don't like these. Lo- Whereas Loneliest Emotion time and Dedicated are like banger, 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 banger. Yeah, Loneliest I mean, Time does have a fair amount of like hard misses. But it has the high points on Loneliest Time are so good. Like talking to yourself might be my favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song. Like it's what a top, a top three for me for sure. Yeah, it's so good. Um, the loveliest time. First of all, uh, the loveliest time for who? Carly, not for me certainly. So, uh, um, my only I, loveliest time enjoyer on the in the. Oh chat no no no! Today? So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm kind of with you. I need to listen to it again. I found it to be very pleasant background music. That's, yeah. I remember nothing about it. That's the thing. Like, I I expect, you know, a Carly Bob to have me singing along to it and, like, thinking about it after. And it, I, it has, like, some... I will admit, song titles. None of them have, none of them have really stuck on me, which is... Uh, it is a, a bummer because even yeah. like I like I, I feel like every Carly Rae Jepsen album I usually like feel my like I leave with at least like a, a song at at minimum one song that I kind of can't stop thinking about yeah. and I don't know what it is uh but some I my brain felt very smooth some of this just sort of slid <laughs> off of it like I enjoyed the experience but like the song titles are bangers. I think the best part of the album is like actually the song titles, which is like a yeah a very backhanded thing. But like, you know, I, they're clever. I, they're funny. They're like, I saw the song titles and I got really excited. And then I listened yeah. to the album and just didn't remember it. But yeah, like I, I'm still, you know, I still well, think about like LA hallucinations like once a week, you know, it's and a dun, bunch dun, of other songs from emotion. The, the, uh, the song titles for uh, Olivia Rodrigo's upcoming album have dropped wow yeah. i'm actually looking forward to it yeah. you like the, you like the single i i, I, I really like the single i, really I, like the single. I, I like, have listened to it many times me, me too i don't i don't want to like it feels mean to like couch it in terms in these terms but like the amount better it is than every single song on her previous album is like staggering well, it was a debut, and she's still a, like a teenager. Well, actually, I don't know. Is I she in her twenties now? I don't. I, remember, I think but... she is because I think she was. Uh, I don't know how old she was actually. When, I feel like but... she was. I feel like she was late teens for the last album, so she's probably early twenties now. But yeah, I mean, that's fine. Like. Maybe you just shouldn't release an album when you're a teenager. It's not my problem. Like, that doesn't mean I have to I, like it. No, no, I'm not saying you have to like it. I just, like, you know, I have adjusted expectations, I guess. When, sure. When yeah, a kid, fair. like, makes a drawing for Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc's <laughs> like, hey, you should have waited 20 years to do this. It's, it's, yeah. Some kids can be very talented when it comes to drawing. Yes. But a, these things a, don't. There's not a sliding scale for this stuff. It's either like a, a yeah. friend of mine's uh, kid drew me a big picture of uh, my favorite character from Amphibia, and I have it on my fridge. I will have to send That's you. A, I nice. I will have to send you a picture. You guys a picture of it because actually it's really good for a ten year old to be honest. See, see, some ten year olds are talented, but if yeah, 
I haven't she, met any. If, if your friend's kid produced a shitty drawing, you would not put it on your fridge. No. I know I would still put it on my fridge because that's the type of person I am. Well, but it's like, not I your be, kid. But I wouldn't be, but I mean, but it would be a gift to me, so I would feel a little obligated. But like, I wouldn't be telling you about it on this podcast. See, there you go. Okay. Well, look, all that there's, said, there's that. I'll listen to Loveliest Time again. I'll give it a good three or four more. Uh-huh. And I, I, I hope it clicks. I hope it clicks. But I mean, is this, is this the B-side for Loneliest Time? Because normally she just calls them not, B-sides. Not and this wasn't. I, I, I feel like it's more of like a companion thing than it is. I, I think like... she's not single anymore. And so that's... <sighs> that's why it's the loveliest time. The worst thing that can happen to a musician is when they're no longer single. It's just like... I mean, for them, I'm sure it's nice, and I'm happy for her. But, you know, in terms of music, I know I mean, a few examples of, look, like... I gotta, I gotta say, you said that, and I'm just thinking about all the bands where, like, their best albums are, like, when they have, like, a messy breakup with their significant others, and I'm just like, yeah. I'm oh, so this, so this is what you're hoping what, for now. You're like, oh, they're together. Makes, <laughs> Dude, what, the what day that... No, 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 John. You, because I, I, I know what you're about to say, and I really want to hear it. I was just gonna say, I don't think this is gonna happen because I get the sense that they have a very healthy relationship and like genuinely really love each other. But if Claudio Sanchez and Chandra Eckert ever get divorced, we are getting get the, the most best, best Coheed and Cambria. Like w- the Beatles will could not stand up to like the thing that Claudio would produce in that no. in, in that case. It, we would get the best album ever made <laughs> it, I, I, yeah it would be yeah my life would just be the rest of my life would be amazing because i would just be listening to that album forever and i'm not like rooting for this because like i watch them they, they do they do like twitch streams and they're really adorable and like you know good for them like they seem like happy but i'm just saying if it ever happened the yeah, coheed yeah. album we would get would be we, next I mean, level i mean if you think about it we kind of almost got we we kind of already almost got a uh, so a breakup album. We have the Claudio Chandra breakup album, and it's their best album. But I will say that was when they had been dating for like a couple years, as opposed and broke up, as opposed to being married and having a son. Well, no, I, but I, just, I mean, also, like, I'm I'm also talking about um, fucking uh, Vaxis too is has extreme divorced energy it, which is what see but it, it has like yeah but it, it, it's it like doesn't pand- have it's pandemic relationship struggle energy is what it really right is. right right but it doesn't have the kind of like there's no like you know how like at the end of good apollo in final cut he does that whole thing where he's like if i had my way i'd crush your face in the door and you're like you know it's bad that you're singing along to it but like it rocks so hard. Yeah. That's Vaxus 2 has nothing like that on it. No, you're you know? absolutely like, right. He did not invent a fake serial killer for Vaxus 2. Um so No, he's uh, unfortunately more mature now. See, yeah, which on one hand good because we don't get Al the Killer. On the other hand bad because without Al the Killer we would not have back end of forever. So who's to say if it's good or not? Who's to say if it's good or bad? I, I, not me. That's for sure. I'm to say that my world leader just and his wife are no longer together, and that's I'm true. In, I'm inconsolable. Oh, so. I heard he was shooting a shot with Taylor Swift. <laughs> I, I don't know about there's, that. There's one kind of shot he that Justin Trudeau was, should get, 
and it's to the <laughs> fucking brain. He was in her replies on Twitter. Oh, wow. Look at the timing. Also, she added six tour dates for Toronto. Six tour dates. That's a Wait, lot of tour maybe dates. I'm actually going to come to Toronto. I'm, I'm, I signed up for the pre-sale so I could scalp the tickets and pay for my trip to Japan. But maybe I'll get them to me for like the normal price. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll put aside a couple extra for my friends and family because I'm so good at getting tickets. Although I will say, we were looking, I was looking at flights to go to Toronto. Well, Alex and I were looking together, and there's one flight per day from PDX to Toronto. And it's like, and it's like sold out on most days so it it's like it be what should be like a four and a half hour flight becomes like a 12 hour ordeal and and john luke has to watch the overwatch league so it's like yeah that is that is what we were yeah we were looking at the i I, I still love home i i I think closer like they do add flights and stuff happens but uh, well Well, there will just be so much demand for people to see the final the final Overwatch League in-person event that they'll be—they'll have no choice but to add more flights. They better, they better. But we're not here to talk about the Overwatch League or Coheed and his Cambria or Carly Rae Jepsen. Before we, before we get started, I would actually like to, um, Alex, you sent a video to the chat and you said that this was important uh, pre-episode viewing and I've had it pulled up here because I thought that it would make uh, I thought that it would be a good idea to watch this right before we start. This is perfect. So I'm going to do that. This video is a YouTube video and it is Ridiculous Wonder Twin Powers and it is 30 seconds long and I'm clicking on it right now. Jaina's kind of nice with it in this video. (laughs) You still think so? You should edit in the audio from the video uh, into this bit so that the Uh listeners can can experience this. I prefer having it silence and job mode being, Jaina's kind of nice with it, though. (laughs) But I, that was great. I, knew, I knew that that was great yeah, yeah so i mean yeah it's it's the classic you know they have their powers they activate and she's a seagull he's an ice gondola because he can only turn into water and other forms of water so mm-hmm. uh i think it is kind of cheating to be like i'm a gondola but made out of ice i mean that's this whole thing like, wouldn't you just be like oh in the form of uh ice machine gun yeah except except, a machine gun. except it was the 70s and you can't show that on tv in your cartoon you have to be a gondola. That's as risque. So as much has changed since then. It's true. They let you put machine guns in children's shows now. Yeah. 